talk about it. Welcome, welcome back to She Could Talk the Podcast. I am your host, Colleen, aka Gongly MC on Instagram. If you want to check out that music, see what we got dropping. We got a new release that dropped last month. It's still streaming, carefree. Plus, you can go onto all streaming platforms and see, check out the music. I actually came across a couple of um, I guess audience created playlist of mine and it was pretty dope I actually you know saved some of them for myself but um check them out there's a lot of music that I have online and um so yeah go over to Gongly MC if you want to see what we're cooking and what we're saucing and tossing you can go over to Colleen Eat Wings on Instagram or my favorite <clears throat> I've been getting a lot of love over there. So original Gongoli on TikTok. Hey, but you know, we can keep it simple. You can just go over to www.doerecords.com and you can, you know, hop on there and check out everything. You can check out the latest episodes. If you miss any of the podcast episodes, she can talk. Or if you want to see any of the music, any of the videos that you might've missed, I haven't done any videos for the 2023, but more in 24. That's my new Slow, um, slogan, and we're gonna stick with it. Whoo, a lot. How y'all got? How y'all doing? We are in the height of holiday time, <clears throat> and I'm not even really in the holiday mood. I guess I am, but not really. Like this is not a, ho- a holiday episode. This episode is gonna be more of like a nostalgic storytelling. I'm noticing I got my unwrapped, um, for the podcast, which I will post on my, she can talk, she can talk, she can talk IG on Instagram. So if you go over to my, she can talk podcast, IG on Instagram, you can go check out my numbers. It's, you know, in the world, in the bigger world of podcasts, I may just be a small flea, but I'm grateful And I'm grateful for all of you guys streaming, tuning in, tapping in, answering questions, and just showing engagement and love. I truly, truly appreciate all y'all. Word. I noticed that my urban celebrity crime series have been getting a lot of downloads, a lot of um, hits, a lot of views, a lot of interactions as well. So you will see more of that going into 2024. Another thing that I'm so proud of, hey, you got to give myself a little clap down. I don't know if y'all hear that, but we are definitely upgrading over here. She could talk podcast. I've been telling you guys for like three years now that I will be on video. I've done a couple couple of videos in the past of interviews and stuff, but going forward, you will see more of Lee. Hey, so more in 24. Hey, but, um, I just wanted to kind of go down memory lane. I was thinking about a few things and I said, you know, this would be a pretty cool episode to do. It's nothing serious, nothing too major. I hope anyway, but, um, I'm just telling a little bit of story about myself. Hey, in particular, it's a song that I have that is, how old is this song now? This song, let me see here. This song is about, let me pause real quick. Uh, yeah, I wanted to make sure I was not shortchanging myself because honestly, I record songs and the day that I record the song may not be even the year that I released the song, i.e. you remember I just went through a whole story about Carefree 
and how I found it on a hard drive I recovered from years ago and we released it last month. I get a lot of love from Carefree and I think the biggest lesson for me was to take chances, throw caution to the wind and don't overthink things, right? Cause you know, I've got to come up some feedback like, Oh, you, you should have stacked vocals here. You should have did this. I'm not a singer. I told you guys that in my last podcast and that song is not even a reflection of what we have to come in 24. It was just something lighthearted that I wanted to throw out. I didn't really expect it to do anything, but I'm grateful that it is. So it lets me know that you guys are showing love and supporting the music. I do it for y'all. So, and I'm having fun. I'm actually implementing and moving intentionally with fun with my roster. So you can ask Colossal, like, I think in the last couple of months here, we've been just like having fun recording music, um, doing remixes, upgrading. We upgraded the studio, upgraded my podcasting area. Well, that's a whole nother studio, but yeah, Studio B got upgraded as well. And I'm just proud of all the stuff that we've been doing, you know. We're official tissue in Florida with on all aspects of everything. Don't wreck it. Stop playing with us. So we've been working a lot behind the scenes and I'm proud of that. But um going on a rabbit hole I did not mean to go down. I just wanted to keep this lighthearted and talk to you about my song Pretty Girls. If any song in my musical career that I would say made me the most fearful would be Pretty Girls. Um the reason why I say most fearful because it's been points and times that I felt that I might've been blackballed or blacklisted personally because of this song. Now follow me now. That's why I said, you know, I never took the initiative to break down what the song is about. What was the inspiration behind the song? And I always, you know, especially younger, 10, 13 years ago when I created this song um, is actually 14 years ago and it was released 13 years ago. So I recorded it in like 2009 and we released it in 2010. There's a video up there. Shout out to Tim Bird. Um, he does, he, I don't know if he still does, but he has done a lot of stuff for, um, Timbaland as far as video productions, marketing, you know, just a lot of visuals you've seen for Timbaland's camp in, um, the late nineties, two thousands, mid two thousands. A lot of that was bird. So shout out to him. He shot the video for pretty girl. So that was grateful. That's a, you know what, because this is the story about pretty girls. I might even go into a little bit of how I was even able to meet him and be blessed with such a dope video. And <laughs> just the create of that video is a whole nother story. Shout out to stone, the ruler, AKA Mike, AKA big brother, Mike out of Norfolk, rest in peace. Cause stone, the ruler was very active with, um, um, talent acquisition, <laughs> I should say for that video. It was a very interesting three days in the cold with other people's children. <laughs> it, it was a, it, it was an interesting event, but we got the best of out of it what we could. And of course the video was shot like in 2009, 2010. So I'm pretty sure if you see the video now in 2023, the quality might not be like as innovative as what you could shoot on your damn phone. But for us during that time, this was, we were doing big things and we were proud of it. And it actually went really far. Like this song 
got me my first exposure on thisis50.com. Shout out to 50 Cent. And it was staff picked. It wasn't um, user submitted or like whatever. It was like staff picked. One of the curators heard our song on a mixtape. Well, my song on a mixtape. And, you know, they reached out and it was like, yo, I'm on a train right now, going to the office to upload this to the site. And I was like, for real? Okay. And, um, yeah, he called me back from the This Is 50s office in New York later on that day and was like, yo, check the site. I went on the site, smacked that in the middle, gongly, pretty girl. So shout out, you know what I'm saying, to the love I got from This Is 50.com when this song dropped and just everyone, everyone. I, the reason why I say this song is, um, uh, uh, it's a, it's like my child that I love, but I hate at the same time. I don't know if that makes any sense. And parents are like, what? I don't hate my kids, but just follow me. Like it was controversial, but my filter, you know, when you're younger, your filter is not there. So when I seen things that happened, to people around me, I, I was vocal about it instantly. Like, I'm not going to be the person that's going to be like, yo, what was that about? I'm like, yo, what the fuck you doing to my friend? Like, I'm going to address it in the moment. I had to learn, you know, cause sometimes you might, it's just like, um, a domestic abuse situation where you might see someone getting assaulted by their significant other. You try to jump in and then they both start fighting you. Right. So you kind of just, want to leave it alone. So that's kind of like, you know, me and this song. And well, that was me initially. Like I was saying, like, you know, I'm the one that would jump in to help the, the victim and then probably get jumped by both of them. So I had to learn over time not to be as vocal about other people's affairs and not to be as vocal about things that didn't sit well with me. Now, some people might be like, well, it sounds like you were silencing yourself, Colleen. No, I wasn't because I use my music as an opportunity and a platform to get it out. You know? So a lot of people, a lot of enemies or whatever you want to call foes. I don't really, I refuse to believe I have enemies. So foes, people that dislike you, I don't know. But, um, enemies, friends, foes, loved ones, besties, whatever. They would always be like, who are you talking about in that song? I know you're talking about someone. And nine times out of 10, no, I'm not. I would just be, it's me. Like I'm inspiring or I'm the inspiration for a lot of my motivation behind music. But every now and then I will get some inspiration along the way. Right? So what's making me even talk about pretty girls on this episode today is, um, not that long ago, well, spend some time now. So about nine, 10 months ago, so almost a year ago, I did an interview with a podcaster. Actually, the podcaster that did the interview was the staffer formerly from distance50.com. And he was like, yo, I see you've been doing music. You know, if anyone knows, I feel like 2022 was really breakthrough for me musically and maybe when I say breakthrough, it may not be what like you considered by, you know, industry standards or, 
you know, social media standards these days, like what breakthrough is. So no, I have not hit the million dollar marker yet or the million stream marker yet. I have not, um, you know, done that yet, but my numbers are growing. I honestly don't even really care about numbers. Really? I'm just going to be real with you. I I'm grateful for whatever I get. And, um, I'm grateful for any support I get, but I do see it's a little bit, a lot more engagement, a lot more, like people are calling me up and like, Hey, how can I help you improve your streams? Like, can I, if I just stream your album all night, will that help? And I appreciate that. You know what I'm saying? Shout out to Mo, you know what I'm saying? They're up in the boogie down, but you know, my fam, my friends, like I've been getting that support lately and I'm so grateful for it. So I did this interview and I was geared up to talk about, so yeah, it was about a year ago now, but I don't even know what made me trigger this, but yeah. So the, one of the last interviews I did for music, other than me being up here on She Can Talk, talking to you all, um, I did it for femalemcs.com and femalemcsradio.com. So shout out to femalemcsradio, shout out to the general who was also staffed at thisis50.com early in his career until he ventured out and now he does his own thing. And he's a real true supporter of female MCs. So if you are a female MC, nine times out of 10, he, you know, you're on his radar and he's going to reach out to you if he haven't already. So much love, shout out to the general, always show love for decades. So, um, yeah, he, he interviewed me. He was like, yo, the coldest is hot. You got moon rocks. You got, you know, man can't curse. We want to bring you up here, talk about the new music, see where your head is at. Cause we liking this. So I'm like, okay, bet geared up to get on the show. He was like, before we do anything, and the interview is online, so you can check out the interview. But the reason why I wanted to circle back on that was because I kind of was taken back and not expecting so much love for pretty girls during the interview. Um, and he was like, yo, that's my favorite song. Matter of fact, I got it all queued up right now. I'm about to play it. We went into pretty girls. So, you know, anytime you're doing like an interview or whatever at radio, you're hearing the music in your headphones and you're kind of waiting for, you know, the interview to pick back up. And as I'm listening to the song, I'm like, yo, this song is fire. And the message still is relevant. It's probably more relevant today prior to when I wrote it 13, 14 years ago. Now, follow me. At the time when I wrote it, I I can honestly say Nicki Minaj was not on my radar. I think Nicki's a dope artist. You know, I don't have no qualms or, you know, I, I told you this before, I support all female MCs, regardless of whatever genre of rap they do. That's on you. I don't have to listen to everything. I don't have to buy everything, but I support it because vice versa, they, they, I'm not on probably none of their radars and that's fine, but, um, you don't have to listen to my music, but don't bash me either. Cause I'm not bashing you. Right. So she wasn't on the radar. Um, it was really, and, and, and my disclaimer is I love little Kim. She was not on the radar. What was on my radar at the time when I wrote this song the first verse or, you know, one of the verses I kind of mentioned, like, you know, plastic surgery and stuff is just because at that time in Virginia beach where I was living, you didn't really see a lot of cosmetically 
enhanced women at that time. But you started to slowly but surely see one or two and the conversations started coming up in just like regular girlfriend circles like, hey, maybe I should get this. Like they started, you know, dancing or entertaining the thought of plastic surgery. Now in New York, on the other hand, you know, little Kim was being joked because saying like, you know, she was looking like Michael Jackson at the time. She had a couple of botched procedures. And, um, then it was just also becoming more of those bedroom, um, backyard hotel doctors putting in, you know, fixer flats in these women and these women were dying. And it was a, it was like a, a pandemic or, or a sub pandemic in the urban community because a lot of women and some men were trying to achieve Beverly Hills status, plastic surgery at bargain bin prices. And they were paying for it with their lives during this time. So this was a thing that it wasn't, like documentaries out about it. It wasn't a lot of people speaking about it, but if you were in certain circles, you heard it. If you knew of certain people that were bold enough to get it, you either saw their success story or their horror story. Right. And unfortunately I had front row seats in some scenarios around that time that I was just like, someone needs to shed light on this because no one's is seeing it. Am I the only one seeing this type of thing? So at the time when I wrote that about, you know, you know, the women doing the plastic surgeries and all that stuff, people thinking that I was talking about little Kim because little Kim was at the height of her career. And, um, man, if you look, it was a point in time. I don't know if you go on my SoundCloud or, um, sheesh, what was, what was it before that band camp maybe, but, um, if you go up there, you'll probably see a lot of my freestyles where I'm rhyming over other people's beats. And Lil' Kim was one of my faves. Definitely stayed rhyming over Lil' Kim beat. So, you know, yeah, it's out there. Like, I love Kim, so I don't have no enemy, no animosity, nothing, you know. And my verse from my mouth to your ears, that verse was never about Lil' Kim. And years later... When Nikki started to rise up, I had a certain, and this is the part where the fear came in for me. So now the Nikki years after my song been out for years, the video dropped and I'm just a little old indie girl on no records, minding my business. Most of my love came from overseas anyway. So, you know, I just wasn't on the radar here. Then out of the blue, I became on Nicki Minaj's fans radar for a quick thank you Jesus second but I was on their radar I just started getting a lot of notifications on YouTube like you know comment on your video comment on your video so I'm like oh okay what are they you know they checking out the video and I go up there and they're like oh you think you better than Nicki Minaj you think you could talk about Nicki this song is stupid. You stupid. You can't rap. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? No. I, so I had to like, I'm, I found myself. And if you know about the barbs in any capacity and from my mouth to the barbs ears, peace is no hate or animosity towards you or your queen. But um, if you know them, 
they stand on business. So it wasn't like just one comment. Like they, they stand on business. So I'm in their fucking comments in my comments fighting for my life. Like, but this, if you look at the date of the song, when it was released, it's not, a. I, I didn't even know of a Nicki Minaj when this song came out. And it was like, she, you lying because she had a mixtapes out and she had, I said, okay, but did she look like that? You know what I'm saying? Cause I, I followed Nikki since the Fendi days and I thought she was dope. I always thought she was dope. So yeah, Fendi, Deb Antony, like she, yeah, Nikki is always been on my radar as a dope female MC. So nah, but not in that capacity, like for plastic surgery and no, none of, none of that shit. And at that time she didn't look like that, like how she does now. So why would I talk, you know, why would that be about her? But anyway, so I had to fight with the barbs for a little bit. Thank God it wasn't a big battle. And I think they kind of came to the conclusion like, yeah, my song was older. It could not have been in any shape, form, or fashion directly directed at Nikki. But the way I write music, and that's something that um, I'm actually doing again. And I think that's another reason why Pretty Girl's been on the forefront of my mind. But the way I write music is I'll sit and I'll observe things that are happening around me or happening to me or happening to the people I love, you know, or happening to complete strangers. And if you are an empath like myself, then you would not only be able to sit there and just observe and watch, you start to feel it. You start to get the emotions of what that person's going through without them even having to tell you what they're going through. You know, that's why, especially these days in my, um, as I get older, as I mature, whatever you want to call it, um, I tend to be by myself because I realize how powerful I am in that spiritual realm. And if you open up yourself to a lot of distorted and weird frequencies, it could fuck you up and it could take you off your playing field for lack of a better word. Cause I don't want to send you guys down a weird road and you're like, okay, clean's a weirdo, but you know, it, it take you off your square and you don't want that to happen. Right. So in order for me to stay focused, in order for me to, um, really get things accomplished, which I'm so proud of myself, pat on the back, we over here kicking ass. Um, sometimes you got to withdraw, like kind of retreat, right. And, um, build up. I always, I seen something that said, give it six months. Don't do nothing. Cut out the socializing, cut out the drinking, cut out the distractions. And you'll be surprised where you'll be in just six months. And it's true. It is true. So off track, but back on track, as I was, you know, during that time frame, as I was going through things myself, you know, as well as watching other women around me go through things, you know, from as, um, minute as, you know, just having a bad day at work or whatever. And to me, and to a lot of people that might not be minute because dealing with work is, is serious, right? Or it could be something extreme as a death or disease or, you know what I'm saying? Like a life altering something that happened to you that you have to like pick up the pieces and move on from here. So, um, it's a, it's a range of things that I was just watching people go through myself included, but it, in particular women back then I had a, and I'm still, and I'm, I'm actually 
happy now that I'm reconnecting my sister circle in so many ways, right? We may not even be in the same state, but it's, it's like riding a bike. Once you get back on, you're good. Once you get on the phone, you're good. Once you see each other, it's like you pick up where you never left off. And I want that for my sisters and myself, like my home girls, you know? And so, um, Back then, my sister circle was strong. We was living in Virginia Beach. Like, it was happy hours, ladies' nights. You know, like, we had a schedule. And when I think about it, majority of my schedule did not really include men or anyone I was dating. I can think of a lot of activities and happy hours and stuff that I was doing with my girlfriends versus, like, a boyfriend back then or whatever. It's funny. But anyway, in that time frame, you become a support system for each other. And, um, you start to confide in each other, you know, you become each other's strengths, you know, you acknowledge each other's weaknesses and you kind of shine each other off and, you know, get you going like your support system. So it, within the support system, you would just, you know, being there for your friends, you would just hear, I would just hear like some, some crazy stories, right? So I had one friend, you know, I'm not going to ever say any names or whatever, Um, and if I was to even give certain hints, you probably would know who it is, but she was a woman that was, um, she was gay. She was in a gay relationship, a lesbian, right? So say it correctly. And, um, I've been, her and I have been friends since we were like 12, 13. So I knew her before her first boyfriend, you know, before her first girlfriend, when she found out she was pregnant with her son, I was there literally like, Oh my God, we're having a baby. Like you would have thought I was the father, <laughs> you know, we hung out so much that I don't know if it's because we hung out so much, but people would always see us and be like, are y'all sisters? So we got so tired of telling people no and people not believe in us that we just said, yeah, we're sisters. I mean, till the end. Cause God bless the dead. God, God bless her. She's no longer with us on earth, but she's always going to be with me spiritually. And, um, yeah, they, even to the end, it was just like, yeah, that's my sister versus me even trying to go into the deep end. I'm like, yeah, I've known her since we was 12 and blah, blah, blah. But, um, it was a point in time there that she had a very tumultuous relationship with a woman. Both of these women are beautiful. Like my friend within her own right can model, she can do whatever. And not because people say she looked like me or I look like her, not at all. Beautiful. She had just a beautiful smile. She lit up the room when she walked in. Um, a woman of many languages. It just, it was just a pleasure to be around her. And she's one of those souls that, um, I'm grateful to have experience in my lifetime. You ever meet people and you're like, you hear stories of how great they are and the, their greatness just, you could feel it through the stories being told by others. And you're like, damn, I wish I knew Pablo Picasso. Damn. I wish I met Basquiat, you know, because the stories are larger than life. That's how I feel about my friend. And she ironically is an artist in her own right, a fashion designer. So if I was to say her name, a lot of people would be like, yes, we know who you're talking about. And without me even saying her name, a lot of people that know me know exactly who I'm talking about. But, um, she also was a big inspiration for me for this song, Pretty Girls. 
she was in a tumultuous relationship and I swear we were like so connected spiritually. Like, like she was my sister that I would jump up like something's wrong. Let me call her. And I'm calling her and I'm like, what's going on? Like, oh, the police is taking out the apartment. And I'm like, what? What's happening? And, you know, they're in New York. I'm in Virginia. Like, I can't, you know, get to her. It's not like, okay, I'll be there in 30 minutes, you know? So you just, like, worry for your friend. And and I carried that. I carried that, like, um, hurt. And when you would talk to her and I would hear her hurt and I would hear her going through it, it kind of took a couple of notches off of my day if that makes any sense, right? Her and I got into quite a few arguments about just different things. Like she didn't like the way I was living or certain, you know, lifestyle choices I was doing because I was totally living the starving artist. I'm, I'm going to get, I'm going to like everything full throttle on music. I don't care about fashion and design, which we were all about fashion and design. I don't care about even living anywhere. I'm just going to be a starving artist and I'll live at the studio and just until this album gets done, you know, in that grind mode. Right. And she would bring me back to reality. Like, bitch, you need to get an apartment and you need to stop acting like this. And, and I'm talking about 19, 18, you know, don't be thinking like I was doing this at 25, 30. No. So, you know, that, you know, when you just don't have that fear and you don't have that thought of consequence. You just see the tunnel vision, which in some cases I think it's good. And I would never take that from the youth. I encourage that actually in the youth, but, um, sometimes you need a good friend to take you back or pull you back from the ledge. Like, wait, whoa, buddy, calm down. You know, you can go so hard, but guess what? You can also go to the grocery store and buy groceries. Like you don't have to spend all your money on studio time and then you're hungry. You know, like, yeah, it was, it was serious for me back in those days. So she was a great voice of reason, even if she wasn't even in the country. Cause at one point in time she lived, um, in the Netherlands, Amsterdam, England, you know, Cuba, so many did like, she's a world traveler, you know, and such a beautiful soul, such a beautiful spirit. It's like, I could sit here from day to day and it'll be like a certain thing or a certain smell. And I would think of her like, yo, she's here, you know, most recently, which probably also inspired me to talk about this episode, you know, what the episode today with you all most, most recently, what made me think about her a lot, my bestie, cause she will always be my bestie, even though she's not in the physical with us anymore. Um, was the Andre 3000 album, the new blue moon that dropped totally her vibe. Like if you listen to that album and you can picture like a tropical earthy place with beautiful green plants and, you know, just nice aesthetics that it'll bring you back to a time that you don't even know where you're at. It's just classical. That's like how her apartment was in New York. It is like she transported you back to Dominican Republic or to Jamaica, like just tranquil, just being around her was tranquil. But when she turned up, we turned up, we was like, you think I'm loud? She's just as loud. Same octave. People would see us coming to be like, Oh my God, here comes the twins. And we would be going off. So just as loud, just as lit, totally, totally, you know, uh, um, my spirit animal at this point, my bestie. 
So she had like a long couple of years there in a very tumultuous relationship. Right. And then that one night, you know, I called her and like the police was, you know, getting the girl out and packing up her stuff. And I'm talking on the phone and I'm like, I know. And, and she always had no problem. Like, look, bitch, I'll call you back. I'm in the middle of some shit or whatever. But she kind of stayed on the phone with me and it was kind of quiet. And I was like, I'm going to stay on the phone because I don't know if she just needs a witness. I don't fucking know. So I'm going to stay on the phone and kind of listen. So after everything died down, she, you know, I guess had to speak to the police. And then I said, well, call me back when you can. Like, I'm up. I'm here. Call me back. So I still don't know what was the initial reasoning for the, like, if it was an altercation, if it was an attack, I don't know. I know it got physical because police was called, but it was, you know, I don't know the extent of everything because she was private, even though we were close. It's weird. But, um, when she called back, you know, we were talking and me, especially at that time, like I told you in the beginning of this episode, I had no filter. If something bothered me, I'm just jumping right the fuck in. And sometimes I was not, I did not have the ability, like I could see you're hurt, but I didn't have the ability to see me contributing to it. Cause in my mind, all I'm trying to see, I also see your resolution, if that makes any sense. And I'm like, all you need to do is this. And it might come off. And I'm pretty sure I came off heartless or non-empathetic in some cases, because I'm trying to help you resolve the issue. Cause I see, cause sometimes people can see your resolution and see exactly what you're doing wrong or what you need to do to fix it. And you can't, and you'll be sitting there like going in circles, like emotional, like, well, I don't understand. I don't know what I need to do. Right. So if I seen it and I'm like, yo, I can help you. This is what you need to do. I'm trying to push my resolution on you and you might need time to heal. You might just need a listening air. You don't need me yelling at you and me to tell you what you need to do. Right. So in the midst of all of that, I was like, yo, this is what you need to do. Stop effing with them bitches. You know, going off. I don't remember what I was saying, but going off. And if anyone that knows me, especially knows me from no Colleen or Ganga from back then, you know, it's like once that mouth, like, yes, I have a podcast called she can talk and you see how often I put out episodes. I'm still getting into the groove of putting out episodes because I need to like get back into talking. Yeah. Me. Unable to talk? <laughs> what? Yeah. But no, so, um, yeah, so back then, motor mouth, nonstop. Like, I don't even think my brain connected to my mouth in some cases. So it's like, I spoke, you know, I led with my heart. So if my heart was saying, you know, made me feel this way, I'm going to tell you. And I'm just going off, right? And she said something that stopped me in the middle of my track. Mind you, I'm going off with her about what she needs to be doing to rectify her situation that she's in, that she had a rough night on, right? And she was so smooth, so chill. God bless her. She said, you know, Colleen, sometimes we just got to ask ourselves how we get here. You know, we were like all pretty little girls and our dresses and our white patent leather shoes. And now we're here. Where did the pretty girls go? Right. You see how silent I got after that? That's how I was. 
It was nothing else I could say after that. I said, you know what? Cause she put that in such a clear frame for me that I saw the picture is it's rough. Like they forget that when you, when you're born, right? Men and women, but I'm follow me now. I'm talking about the women. When we're born, we're pretty little girls. They want to dress us up like baby dolls, put the bows in our hair, the frilly dresses on us. And, oh, they're so cute. But, um, rarely do we get prepared. And I mean, you don't need me to go too far into that. I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but I will for a quick moment there. Look at everything that's happening around adult survivors act, all these allegations coming out against people. Finally, women are speaking up for themselves. So something that I felt and my girlfriend, my home girl, cause you know, the way we say girlfriend back in the days and the way people say girlfriend these days is different. So I'll stick with saying my home girl. So even like with us, the era we grew up in and a lot of women my age, you know, we had to suck it up, you know, abuse, disrespect, you know, shortcomings. And especially like if you're a woman of color, I'm not saying that, you know, non-women or women of non-color don't deal with this because as I've gotten older and I've become acquainted with, you know, women that are from Asia, women that are, you know, Asian culture, women that are from Latina culture, um, women that are white, you know, women that are European that are, you know, they might be Moroccan or something else. Right. I've come to the conclusion after speaking with women and I'm talking about different ages, different races that we all especially Well, I'm not gonna say different ages, previous generations, we all were taught to some degree to suck it up, you know, suck it up, you know? And, um, yeah. So we become women that, you know, and I'm talking about of a time, I'm not talking about present day. You know, there was a lot of women that suffered abuse in silence, you know? So it was a lot of women that were embarrassed to say that they were being abused, you know? And then women that were in, you know, gay relationships, lesbian relationships that were being abused, even felt more embarrassed or more ashamed or more compelled to hide it, hide their abuse. Right. So, um, that's why I wrote pretty girls. So I wrote a verse about that. I wrote a verse about, you know, basically what my friend, my best friend went through at that time, you know, and what I observed coupled with now this way it gets a little twisted, right? But coupled with a lot of, um, my stylists and stuff during those time frames, And I still, we're still good friends. I have a lot of, um, gay male friends as well. And I don't know, I have to shout them out real quick because a lot of the gay men from my generation were classy and a little bit more tasteful. It was different times. Like it was different times. Like it was like still hanging out with your homeboy. I, I don't know. I digress. But even with them. So we would have, like I told you, these sister circles. Every now and then we would have like our gay home guy, homeboy or gay best friend come over and he would put us on to G, like put us on to game of like, ah, uh-uh, this, that, and the third, right? Which low key, that's why a lot of 
women accept gay men because they feel like they're getting like a, a um double agent for lack of a better word that can give them some intel on the men's side of or men's point of view but um he said something you know at the time to me that was like you know a lot of um you know people in same-sex relationships are you know tend to be abused like it's a lot of abuse in those relationships they just don't talk about it because of the whole taboo of them being in a same sex relationship. They don't want, you know, them telling their story of abuse or telling the story of what's happening to them to be followed by, well, that's what you get because you chose to do that. You know, you chose to be in a same sex relationship. So yeah, that's what you get. I don't think anyone should be abused. I don't think that anyone deserves any abuse of any kind. Everyone should be loved and respected, you know? So when, um, he said that to me, I said, damn, so it's basically like, it's bad enough that we as women barely have a voice during those times. But then if you're like a gay woman or gay man, like your voice is not there either. I'm going to be the voice for these people, for my people, you know what I'm saying? For my friend. And then I'm a woman for us, you know? And then you just, coupled with things I've seen, like I've seen the little girls that like, um, their moms gave them everything. We all have that one friend that was spoiled when she was a little girl, had every Barbie doll, every Corvette, every, the best double Dutch rope, like the best snacks at her house, whatever. Right. And, um, maybe she grew up to be probably like an unsavory woman. Right. Meaning that like, yo, did you know that you know, so-and-so that used to be spoiled, her mom used to give her everything, you know, she's stripped down at KODs right now, like, you know, so-and-so was out, was out there, you know, like, the stories don't always end up with, like, the happily ever after princess Cinderella story, right, happy ending, so, it's like, what, where, where did the pretty little girls go? Like where, what happened from the time where we were in our pretty little dresses getting ready for Easter to KOD stripping, you know? So at the time frame, that was my, at the time, that was my time, my mind frame at that time of like, you know, where, where did we go? You know, it's kind of a, this road is uncertain, you know, because these are our options to be an abusive lesbian relationships or to be abused by men or to have low self-esteem and abuse ourselves with plastic surgery to feel something like this is the stuff that was literally happening around me, but it wasn't like on the scale that it is now. This was like, I was seeing where we were going. And a lot of people was like, you're going to get blacklisted. This song is not good. And I was like, well, it's not really to, I didn't really do this song to get radio play. It's very profane, very graphic. And I'm going to play it at the end of this episode. But, um, I, I honestly, we didn't even have like, we had YouTube. Yeah. But we didn't have like Instagram and, you know, TikTok and, and Facebook wasn't like that where you had, you, you had these vehicles where you can like distribute your music, have your music on these platforms and kind of monetize and use it and make content with it. No, this is early stages of social media, right? From the 2000 to the 2010s, 
you know, that era. So I was just like, I'm going to throw it on YouTube, you know, whatever, but I'm not sending this to radio. I'm not going to send this to like labels or A&Rs or nothing. It's just a message I wanted to share. And radio stations made their own radio edits, started playing it. It got on thisis50.com. Um, World Star had reached out at that time, but they wanted me to pay. I was like, how are you reaching out to me to put my video up, but then you want me to pay? No. If you ever notice around that same time frame, I have a song called Not For Free. And just to give you an idea, because I be seeing where it should be going. And I was like, yo, they want the artist to pay for everything, but then the artist don't get paid. I said that back then on a song called not for free, go look it up on YouTube. And people didn't like me when I put that out. He said, yo, you, you really just, you ain't even trying to play with the, with the team. You ain't trying to play in the playground. You ain't even trying to be in a sandbox bitch with these fucking songs. And so I kind of like, accepted it like all right I might not be mainstream but if a message needs to be you know delivered I might have to be the vehicle to use to deliver it you know so I kind of wore that badge but you know I didn't I didn't really want to be you know going against the grain and I didn't want to be on a soapbox trying to talk down to people which will let me I'll just give you a quick run on the music video. So, you know, like I said, shout out to Stone the Ruler, Mike, AKA Big Brother Mike. A lot of people thought he was my brother, you know, but um, he's passed on too. Like a lot of my favorites, it's crazy. I have a lot of ancestors and angels in 2023. So sending love up because they always with me, but off track a little bit. But anyway, um, he was my talent acquisition because it was a part of the video that we was going to shoot in a strip club and we was going to have, it was going to be like P Valley before P Valley. Meaning if you're familiar with P Valley, how, yeah, they had some really crazy dance scenes and routines that, you know, to me, I feel like season one of P Valley and I'm going on a rabbit hole. I apologize, but it was way better than two because they show routines and they really show you the culture of the strip club, not just, the. Uh, sex, etc. But, um, that's what I was trying to do with my pretty girls video initially was have some strippers in the club, but kind of like, you know, going through like one girl's go, you know, and she's stripping because she's going to school. So you see her like studying her, her homework or getting her stuff together before she go on stage. And then literally we had like a Mississippi before Mississippi where we was going to have another girl who had her daughter, you know, sitting in the back, you know, in the dressing area. And she's like, yo, just watch it for me for a little bit. I'm going to go dance and come back and you know boom 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 I couldn't find a babysitter so that's what we were gonna highlight in the pretty girls video not the stripping not the derogatory and in, in no way shape or form was I trying to demean any of the ladies or make them feel bad right but um my talent acquisition specialist, <laughs> that's what we'll call him. He was like, yo, you gonna, you know, you girls are going to be stripping, boom, boom, boom. And they were real strippers. So when they heard the song, they got offended because they thought that I was demeaning them. And then once again, because me and my temper and well, I don't have a temper, but my mouth, 
I didn't have a filter between my brain and my mouth. So I kind of went off. I was like, what the fuck? So you could go strip all night for these niggas and do whatever. Let them just do whatever to you. But you don't want to be in a video that's going to bring awareness to the shit that we go through and the disrespect we deal and you deal with. That made it worse, you know? So it comes, it, that whole scenario right there just made me realize that, you know, I might've been Shauna. <laughs> so if you watch rap shit on HBO max or max, whatever it is right now, rap shit, they have that show. It's the show about the two female MCs. Shauna is the black power activist rapper. And Mia is like the, Hey, let's get lit. We having a, you know, turn up, let these niggas know we here rapper. Right. And these two polar opposite rappers came together and formed a group. And you see where a lot of, um, well, both of them, because I can't say one is better than the other, but you can see where a lot of Shauna's mishaps because you'd be like, girl, you just could have just like kept that opinion to yourself. And that, yeah, I might've been Shauna, especially when I was younger, like, you know, given my opinions especially when they're not needed, right? So if you look at the video, you'll notice that there's no strippers in the video. So that was like a long, hard day one. You know, we had to cancel the strip club. We had to do a couple of other things. And then actually, um, it's, it's funny, but some of the outside scenes, we were like in a field behind the strip club. <laughs> it's, it's, it's funny. Then I got kids out there in the cold, um, the parents shout out to all of the parents that brought their kids out to participate because they understood the assignment, dressed them accordingly, and the kids were well behaved. And, um, a lot of those kids right now are like women in college and, you know, they went from pretty little girls to beautiful women. So I'm happy that they have that in their history. One of my nieces hit me up. and was like, yo, I was, and she's in college. And she was like, yo, I was showing them your video and I tell them how my aunt rap. And I was showing her me in the video. And I was like, damn, make Yanti feel old, but okay. You know what I'm saying? But nonetheless, it's part of their history. And that's what I like to use my music for, not just for me, but it's to include all of us and we'll all have memories from it some kind of way. You know what I'm saying? Hey, had to give us a little clap there, but, um, Seriously speaking, so back to that, right? So Bird, who shot the video, he is Timbaland. At the time, he was Timbaland's main videographer, marketer, graphic designer, like a lot. He was Timbaland's right-hand man. And um, I didn't know none of this stuff. Let me tell you how I found it. I was looking for a video camera to buy to shoot my own videos. I had a video shot for me from, um, uh, a well-respected videographer that he's done videos for bigger artists. And one of my dopest videos on YouTube right now is from Sam Rogers. Shout out to Sam. And it's the opulence hot 2.0. We shot that in New York over a couple of days back around the same time. And, um, yeah, so me not knowing the intensities and the uh, different specs on cameras or whatever, I just knew what it looked like. And I was like, yo, 
I could probably shoot my own videos. And, you know, I started, the, the wheels started turning in my head. So I'm on Craigslist. This is to show you because I don't, I don't even know who uses Craigslist these days. Shout out to you if you do, but you know, I don't use that. But anyway, back then I'm looking on Craigslist, like maybe they might sell some cameras or I can get like a used video camera and you know, of that caliber that I'm looking for and see if I can go that route. Then I came across this ad and it was like, we'll shoot a music video for you, $800. Um, and this is the equipment we have. So I literally Googled every piece of equipment listed in that ad. And I was like, yo, this, whoever this is got a TV newsroom. They're professional. Like this is, it, it's gonna, it's either gonna be a scam or this is too good to be a dream come true. So I prayed. And I hit the respond and I said, Hey, I'm looking for a video, you know, someone to shoot my video for pretty girl. Boom, boom, boom. I kind of have a storyboard, but I am open to suggestions. And I just would, I think that this song would do great with a video. So he was like, okay, sure. Come down to my office. We, he set up a meeting and then at the time I had a DJ, she's in the video as well. Um, her and I went down to his office and, you know, we're all nervous and nice office, you know, very, um, professional but non-suspecting like you don't know how important this dude is because he's just very chill very relaxed you know but everything around him looks expensive so you're like okay yeah this is this is serious business but um yeah so he popped in my cd and he's sitting at his desk and you know joint comes on he stops it so right i'm talking about like i did like maybe four bars and he stops it and so me and the DJ, we look at each other and we're like, oh shit, <laughs> he's not going to shoot the video for us. And he was like, who, who's rapping? I was like, I'm rapping. And he was like, okay, what do you do? And she was like, I'm the DJ. He was like, okay, okay. So he's writing down. He turns back around, he plays it. So now he's listening to it. He's playing through. He stops it again, like when it gets to the hook. And he's like shaking his head. So I'm saying to myself, like, Oh God, you know, a lot of people have given me pushback about this song saying how this song is, you know, graphic. It can get me blackballed. It's very negative. It's condescending, all types of stuff, which I wrote this song with my heart. And I wrote this song. The inspiration behind the song was people that I love daily and just things that I've, you know, heard, encountered, or experienced myself. And um, I wanted to put it all together and be like, hey, women, I know, you know, like our innocence get lost quicker than boys in some case, in most cases, you know, where like predators, everything, they, they tend to prey on us first, you know, and our innocence gets lost. And then guess what? When you're 16 years old and you're, you know, in some type of weird ass relationship with a 30 year old man. And then now you're 40 and you're like, yo, I was abused. I wasn't supposed to be there. They're like, Oh, you wanted to be there. You wanted to be there. I'm 16. Who, who, what 16 year old would you entrust or would you trust with making a serious financial decision with your life savings? I'll wait. Okay. Exactly. So how do you trust a 16 year old to defend and stand up against a 30 year old man? That's a whole nother story. Go back a couple of episodes to see what I'm talking about. But, um, that's what I was trying to do was just trying to be a voice because I felt that as a woman and as, um, 
a woman part of a bigger support group of women, we needed that voice and we needed that. And I mean, my village came together to make it happen, right? So when we got to Bird and he went in that office and he's playing the song, he's stopping it and he's listening, he's taking a couple of notes and he plays and he stopped it again. Then he turned and the whole time is like, I guess his, cause his stereo is like on the shelf behind his desk. So he's like turned around to us. His back is to us. And then, you know, he'll take a couple of notes or whatever. Then he turned around so pensive in thought. It was like, you know, um, when I did that Craigslist ad and the way he started it, just like this, I thought he was about to be like, this ain't what I'm looking for. But he was like, um, you know, when I put that Craigslist ad out, like, my, my, the people that I work for, like, I, I can't even, cause at that time he didn't disclose who he worked with and for, et cetera. So he was like, my people was like, yo, why are you doing that? Like you wasting your time. Like, what do you expect to expect to find out there on Craigslist? Man, you got a good thing going here. You don't even need to worry about trying to shoot videos for random people on Craigslist. And he was like, this is why. I put that um, ad on Craigslist. This is exactly why. I'll be more than happy to shoot this video for you. Let's do it. And I probably shouldn't even tell that part, but he blessed me on the price. I'll just put it like that. You know, so I paid, but yeah, I got more than what I paid for. And he was like, I'm happy to do this because this is a song that needs to be heard. So, um... I don't know. I think I might, um, oh, I got to also shout out Antagonist. He's the producer of Pretty Girls, you know, and funny story about that, just to give you a little bit more insight, I would do seasonal jobs because I told you I was all about my music back then. Like, I don't give it, but yo, I was so far in, like I told you, I didn't care if I ate. So I, I know I weighed, God knows what, 110. And I was always like a size four to six, never bigger than that. Because I didn't give a fuck about food, like food, like the, the way I cook food now, the way I do stuff now. And if people see me now, they're like, they're like, oh, you're big. And I'm not big. I'm like a size 10. But if you know me, you're like, yeah, you're thick. Okay. But, um, yeah, back then I was just strictly on, you know, work mode, music mode. You know what I'm saying? Like music mode, not work mode, not working for nobody. But every now and then, you know, you get a job. So you can get a couple of checks, stack them. So guess what? I could pay my rent for the next six months because I paid up my rent for this six months. And that's how I worked. And it was very weird. Like, instead of just, I just didn't want to have my time consumed unnecessarily. I wanted my time to be free. So if I needed to go record a song, go out of state and do a show, I could do it. I didn't want to be like, hey, can I take this time off to, no, I was just doing it. So... At that time, it was my, I called it my season. So I worked seasonal jobs to, you know, stack up the money so I could, wouldn't be a bum, right? And I was working a seasonal job at Lillian Vernon, old school. I don't know if any of you guys even are familiar with that, but it was like an old catalog or whatever. 
excuse me, they also did Time Life. So if you remember those old school late night movies or commercials that would come off and they would have like, you know, Otis Redding and the Shy Lights and like all the timeless classics, soul music, R&B, and even like Dolly Parton and country music or whatever. Um, And they would sell it on Time Life back in those days or whatever. So yeah, like around the holiday time, you know, and I'm, I'm probably, they're like, you like, damn, you went back. But yeah, I went back. (laughs) But, um, around the holiday time, I would work for Lillian Vernon. Everyone did in Virginia beach and, um, you get that money, you know, get some extra money in boom, boom, boom. So working there and I, we knew each other before, but we ran into each other at time life. So shout out to antagonist. I don't know if you remember that. You're like, damn, you giving up the business. But, um, yeah. So we, he was like, yo, Ganga, I got a beat tape for you. Check it out. And gave me the beat tape. And real talk, Vintage Roots, which is one of my, it is my official first album that I've ever put out solo in my entire life with my grandmother. God bless, you know, God bless her because she's one of my ancestors, you know, mummy, aka Big Moms. <laughs> she's on the cover, my grandmother. And um, Antagonist produced like a good... of that album. Yes. So shout out to tag shout out to bird for the video for pretty girls. And, um, yeah, shout out. You know what? I said, I wasn't going to say my friend's name, but I think I would, you know, I wouldn't even be doing her justice. So shout out to Jasira, you know, like she, the one thing she always taught me. Yeah. And actually it's the truth because I do dream about her. And I see her all the time. So, yeah, and sometimes I don't remember what happened. So, there you go. <laughs> but anyway, um, so that's Pretty Girls. And I hope that this episode, finally, because I felt like I still didn't even do my song justice when the general interviewed me and was like, yo, what was the inspiration behind this? I downplayed it in 2022 because I felt like... um you know, just the sensitivity of the climate and, you know, like the LGBTQ community, like they're very vocal and very active and they stand on business. So I didn't want the backlash or, you know, perceived backlash for something that wasn't meant to be an attack in the first place. Right. It's a storytelling from an observant point of view and everything that I talk about on the song happened, but this is how I need you to visualize it. Visualize me sitting in like a room with two windows, two big windows that you basically project, project the movie on, on in front of me. And then on the left and the right of me on one, I have one big window on my left and one big window on my right. And as I look at each window, I'm like peering in to people I care about lives. And I'm seeing some of the things that's happening that they don't talk about. And it was a lot of women suffering in silence, you know, just with just different areas of their life. And I said, I'm gonna be the voice for that. And then sometimes like, I guess that's the martyr, right? Like 
you know, you'll speak up, but you might get attacked. You, you might be the one that has to fall on the sword for the rest to live type of thing. So I don't know. I don't know if pretty girls was my downfall or if it's my saving grace. I still don't as yet to be seen, but I feel like it's still some more life in pretty girls. I know that sounds weird. But I still feel like that. And just in the in the um, grand scheme of understanding that music never dies. And um, if you do something from your heart, right? Because I have some songs that I was like, you know, I'm just going to experiment and just write a song about whatever. You know? A lot of those songs probably don't really even see light of day. But if they do, I always notice that they're like, oh, okay. You know? But then something that I'll be like scared, like, oh my God, I'm letting people in or, oh my God, I don't want them to look at me because this is how I feel. Those are the songs that resonate with people. And those are the ones that they're like, you know what? Thank you for making that song. Yo, that joint right there. So I got to trust myself a little bit more with this creative process, meaning that um, it's okay. It's okay to be that observant messenger you know, and it's okay to, um, especially if you know that you're not doing something with malice or, you know, malevolent intent. Like if you're just being a voice for some people that don't have a voice, it's okay. But if I'm coming up here and bashing you and mm -mm, that's not good and I'm not going to do that, you know what I'm saying? So I think that that's where, where I'm at with it. Like, you know, I'm going to continue to do that because especially this day and age in 2023, I feel like especially recently, I haven't had so much inspiration to write and create music, even podcasts, even come talk to you all as much as I have had lately. And I'm looking around and I think it's like, I'm a, like, I, like I said, I'm an empath. So I feel the energy of the world, you know, I feel where, um, Everyone, old, young, black, white, everyone's a little uncertain in these current times that we're in, you know, and, um, everyone kind of looking at everyone just to find a safe haven or a safe or comforting eye that they could meet and lock with in public, like contact or anything, you know? So, um, I think we should definitely be more graceful to each other. And, um, I think that I am supposed to be that voice, you know, like, I know it sounds like, oh, okay, you're just going to take the weight in the world. Oh yeah. Everyone's going to listen to you clean, whatever. No, I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying like, if I don't start to utilize the gifts that, you know, the Lord, the ancestors put in me to use, then what? Because it's only once you connect with your true gift is when it will really shine. And once you become one and accept it. And I'm talking not on no superficial, oh, this sounds cool just to be saying it. I'm literally living through this right now, you know? So I said, um, yeah, this is a perfect time. Because now I'm comfortable in a comfortable space to be like, hey, this might have been the song that blackballed me. This might have been the song that, you know... Made him like, what the fuck is she on? You know, this song, when it first came out, Little Kim lovers hated me because they thought I was talking about Little Kim. I wasn't. Nicki Minaj, when she came out, they found this song. 
And I'm like, how is my song even on their radar? But they found it. And it was bashing me because they thought I was talking about Nikki. And then I'm like, please, for the love of God, look when the song was published and copywritten. This is how I don't even, I didn't even knew that girl, know her, hear of her when I put that out. <clears throat> and even if she was doing musical, I'm pretty sure she was, she wasn't on my radar. Like I didn't, you know, like she wasn't mainstream or whatever. For And I don't think she had plastic surgery. So no, definitely not Nikki. You know, and is this that type of song, you know, that like, for example, the part of the song where I talk about my best friend in an abusive lesbian relationship, how many abusive lesbian relationships have been in the news? A lot. I remember when Brittany Griner married her, um, first wife that they had the twins and everything very volatile. They had violence and domestic violence up until the day before their wedding. And then it just continued on until their divorce. Right. Um, that's just a popular couple that I can think of, you know, how many others that we don't know of the abuse because they don't share it. Right. Just like with men and women in relationships is abuse there too. Not in everyone's thank God, but you know, if there's abuse there, like how often is it being shared, you know? But, um, when it goes deeper into like, um, an abusive lesbian relationship, that was like, where the fuck did you get that from Colleen? You want to get banned, you reaching, but it wasn't like at that time when I wrote that song, it sounded fucking crazy, but it was really happening to my best friend. Like she was going through it and I, because it was not something that I could personally relate to. I did not know how to fix it for her, you know? And the best way that I couldn't cope with not only what she was going through, but what all my other friends were going through and myself included to some degree, even though I was in a heterosexual relationship, you know, and I wasn't beaten on, (laughs) thank God, you know, but Abuse is abuse, right? Physical, mental, emotional, it's all abuse. I just wanted to talk about it. I just wanted to like vent and get it off my chest. And it was no way, shape, form, or fashion, a bashing song, hating on anyone. So depending on what circles you are in, some people call it a classic. Depending on what other circles you're in, some people are like, yo, that's the worst thing you could have ever done to your music career is yet to be seen. But I also feel like in 2023, it can possibly still be relevant. You, I'm going to play this song at the end of this episode. And then you tell me, you know, I'm going to put that also as a question for this episode. You can go on YouTube, you can go on Spotify, you can go on She Can Talk, and you can respond to the questions that way, because I like to keep them streamlined where I can see them. You know, some people comment on Facebook. I don't, have a real, you know, engagement for she can talk up there. I do have the the space, I guess, or the area for people to comment, but I don't want your comments to be neglected. So Spotify, YouTube, or Instagram, she can talk podcasts. I could definitely um get right back to you. Oh, I want to shout out iHeartRadio for showing she could talk the podcast so much love. Oh my gosh, guys, yo. 
they sent out the dopest alerts to like, you know, my subscribers. Like a lot of people are like screenshotting. I'm like, yo, are you paying iHeart for this? No, I am not. But I don't know if it's a um engagement thing or algorithm thing. I don't know. But shout out to iHeartRadio for showing so much love to the podcast. And um, yeah, to my podcast channel on iHeartRadio. Hey, so we get in there. We get in there, y'all, you know. So um, yeah, so tell me. I want y'all to tell me. Do, how do y'all feel about pretty girls? Is it relevant in 2023? Is it less relevant, more relevant? Was it ever relevant? Was this song which I wrote about my personal friends and, you know, family and something that was near and dear to me at the time, does it resonate with any of you? Am I reaching or was this just something like, yeah, girl, you wrote that song for your friend and that's an isolated incident. Let me know. I'm here. I'm open to it. You know, um, yeah, so that's it. We're going to get into Pretty Girls, but you know how we do every time. From my mouth to your ears, I love you. But before we go there, uh, you know, you know what you got to do, right? If you like this episode, please tell a friend. If you don't like this episode, please tell a friend. It doesn't hurt either way, right? And when you go out there in the world, especially during these holiday times, because a lot of people tend to get down around the holidays, get sad because either A, they thinking of a loved one that they lost, they can't get to family, they're too far away from family, whatever the reason may be. And just inflation and everything else that's going on right now could cause some people to feel a little bit um, not in the holiday spirit as others. And that's okay. But give each other grace out there, you know? So hug on your loved ones a little bit tighter. Give a smile with intent to a passing stranger and just be nicer to each other out there, especially during this holiday time, because, um, it tends to take a toll on, on, on some, and we want to be mindful of those and kind of make sure that you're sending that love out there for everyone. But all right, y'all, you know how I do. Hey, I'm about to go in here and cook up some stuff so I could throw that on the gram for y'all. So that's another thing. Have y'all been seeing my food? Okay. So a lot of people are like, you know, where's the food now on the flip side, you can go on Gongali on Facebook. They gave me digital creator hey, status. So I've, I'm proud about that because my food reels are going crazy and I love it. And also TikTok, if you go up there, original Gongali, it's a, it's a split. It's, um, I'm going to say a three-way split between me and my comedy antics, which I'm going to be putting some more up there this week, but food and music, but the food definitely, um, resonates heavy and then my comedy on TikTok. But go over there. I definitely am crazy. So I think you'll enjoy that on TikTok. And um everything else music you already know doorrecords.com D O E underscore records on IG Gongali M C on IG and um yeah take it from there. But I'm not gonna hold you guys. This has been an hour and I hope that I was able to give some clarity to one of my, one of the biggest mysteries about my song, Pretty Girls, you know, depending on what circles you go on, go in, it's really, really loved or really, really hated. 
<laughs> so you be the judge of it on this here episode. She could talk to podcast. I'm about to get into this right now for y'all. And y'all let me know, is it, um, am I reaching or, or not? All right. Until next time, y'all say blessed. Y'all stay safe. And once again, from my mouth to your ears, I love you. All right. Now you go love on yourself because you can't love me or no one else if you don't love yourself. All right. Until next time, she could talk the podcast. Peace. Tell you where they went They turned to skanky hoes With silicone tits And a reconstructed nose Trying their very best To be the next video hoe She wasn't this brave Until she started using blow Now anything goes Like stripping on poles And giving head to Jamie In the next porno And that's not nothing What you want she got it For the right fee She will even pee pop it And let your man knock it And let his man rock it As long as they keep paying So she can keep shopping It's an epidemic But y'all don't see it Letting Chester's go Cause they graded R and B Now here she is Mentally not right Cause she used to having that back Broke out every night Pussy was never tight Still dream of Mr. Right Yet remain torn Fucking with Mr. Wrong Looking back at her life Because the pretty girl is gone Self-esteem. Your baby daddy did you dirty, now you switched the team Getting beat by she, she is how you eat And fucking around with she, sometimes you may not sleep You choose to walk this road, although it's not easy Flipping young chicks to get what was took by she At first for laughs, now you feed for ass Worse than a dude, brought you with no class Although you love women, still you have no balls Cause your family knows nothing about your lifestyle at all Yeah, it's your call, whatever makes you happy Diving face first in a play full of nappy There's a shortage of men, you use it to your advantage Turning these young girls out and then you leave them scrambling Where did they go?